Welcome back once again to Not Playing with Lex and Dan. He's Dan. Hey. Oh, yeah. Who are you? And I'm Lex. Yeah. I'm Lex. <laughs> oh, man. We should really discuss this. But, we should yeah. really discuss this ahead of time. I highly doubt that. Uh, but so, you are in the midst, deep in the thick, at maybe even a, a pivotal turning point of this special Star Wars season of Not Playing. Uh, we've gone through the uh, prequels. We've watched... Rogue One, and I am led to believe by you, Dan Morin, that Rogue One will somehow lead somewhat seamlessly into Star Wars, which was rechristened Star Wars Episode Four: colon, A New Hope. That's all, that's all pretty accurate. I will note this is the halfway point of our season, since we have four movies down and four movies to go. Math checks out. Yeah, so uh, yeah, you've made it, this is, you've made it over the hump of the middle, and it's uh, <laughs> smooth sailing. This is, uh, this is a stressful time, though, because these are your three favorite movies, I think, right? The next three. They're definitely up there, yeah. I mean, the Episode Five is probably my favorite movie of all time, The Empire Strikes Back. Star Wars is probably a close second. And Jedi's on that list, too. It's maybe... maybe they're, it's, hard to, it's hard for me to separate them, too, right? Because I kind of view them as, like, one thing. One six-and-a-half-hour film. Yes. So... Here's what I can tell you about my knowledge of this movie. You have first, seen, first of all, you have seen this one at some point, right? I, I believe I have seen it one time. Possibly not all of it, but certainly most of it. And uh, a couple, a couple factors are weighing on my knowledge. One, the fact that I have probably seen it. Two, living in America. <laughs> <laughs> Three, the second one is called The Empire Strikes Back, which leads me to believe that the Jedi are going to win the battle this time around because the empire can only strike back if it has been struck down. Hmm. Okay. So the reality is I know many of the original trilogies, key plot points, um, the force <laughs> Yoda's existence, uh, the fact that Darth Vader's Luke's father, Han Solo and his buddy Chewbacca. Um, the fact that at first Luke and Leia have a kind of romance going, which is, odd especially when you're watching in the order that we have and then eventually uh leia and han solo have some romance brewing um i don't know what happens in what movie okay (laughs) all right uh i assume that we can't find out that darth vader is luke's father until the third of the original trilogy that's my guess because it feels like it's not shocking enough to happen now so this is what i think this is what I think is the story. All okay? right. Yep. Hit me. <laughs> we meet young Luke, who is brash and uh, eager for more than his uh, crappy life on Tatooine offers. He somehow meets up with Princess Leia. Really don't know how. I don't know. And uh, I don't know. And he somehow meets up with Han Solo and Chewbacca. And they all decide, hey, let's. And this is probably largely based on Spaceballs. But they decide, hey, let's fight bad guys together. <laughs> And they do, and uh, they win. I, I am guessing that this ends okay. with the Death Star being blown up, but I don't really know that. That's, that you know what? Your, your odds are good on that one. <laughs> okay. I, uh, I assume Yoda appears in this first one. I know that Yoda is living in Dagobah, which I also know from a Weird Al Yankee. I was going to say, <laughs> I had a feeling. I had a feeling that was going to happen. But I would say that 
the biggest bulk of my knowledge of the next three comes from Spaceballs, for better or for worse. Probably for worse. So that's where I am. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna miss the boat on a few things. <laughs> I really thought for a, I think I mentioned this to you already. I really thought for a, a long time. I have learned since this is not true that the moments in Spaceballs where the hero there loses his ring that contained the lightsaber, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, he is told by Yogurt, "It's the Schwartz is in you. Like you don't even need it." And then he could just like create the saber from himself. Yeah. I thought that that was from the original movies, but it's seemingly not. I don't think anybody ever manifests their own lightsaber powers from within their hands. Yeah, I would not hold your breath on that one. <laughs> yeah. But I, uh, I'm i hoping this one has the, the infamous cantina scene, but I don't know if it does. Mm-hmm. And I know that, uh, or I, I believe that Tatooine has two sons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, they're named Daryl and yes. Robert. Mm-hmm. Yep, two mm-hmm. sons. The Tatooine Boys. The Tatooine Boys. Daryl and Robert Tatooine. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're a musical act. I am. I was thinking all day. I even talked to my wife, Lauren, about this at dinner. I was saying, like, I think maybe Dan was hinting that this one's going to start where Princess Leia has just been given the um, uh, hope, the instruction disc on how to blow up the Death Star. But I feel like it can't possibly start with a princess uh, getting a disc and loading files. This seems like a very anticlimactic way to start a movie. So I don't know. Okay. All right. Yeah. Perhaps, but the perhaps on. I've said too much already. Um, yeah. The pressure I have to is like on. this movie. You. Well. Yeah. Otherwise, the rest of this uh, rest of this series is going to be pretty pretty much a letdown for you. That's good though. You seem like you're well prepared. You seem. <laughs> I don't feel it. No, that's good. You're not well prepared at all. I was just trying to give you a false sense of confidence. Thank you. And yeah, uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we need to cover. Oh yes. Well, um, so versions of this movie. There are multiple mm. versions of this movie. The version we are watching, and I will not, <laughs> let's just say we've acquired a version of this movie. We will be watching it. Uh, it is known as the Despecialized Edition, and we'll go into a little bit about what that means afterwards. Let's just say it is an attempt to faithfully recreate um, as close as possible the original theatrical release in 1977 of this of uh, Star Wars. So... There are changes made later on in subsequent versions. This should not have any of those, but it is an attempt to use some of the best quality film. So you might notice as we watch it, Lex, you might notice that the quality of the scenes we see may vary at times slightly because they're pulled from different sources. Got it. But it's the... It's meant to be as close to the original version as possible. This does not have extra characters or effects added improved. Yeah, so this is meant to be as close as possible to the 1977 version. And there are a few differences. We can talk about those afterwards. There are, in fact, multiple versions of the the Despecialized. I don't remember which one I have, so sorry. <laughs> well, I, I honestly, I feel like this is my best shot to need the fewest explanations. I mean, I know that it goes pretty deep and people, I, well, I should say, I know that fans can go pretty deep in analyzing all sorts of stuff from this movie. Sure. But my optimism is this was the first one. Like, everybody who was watching it was getting it for the first time when they saw it. So yeah, I not feel only like that, I got but a you, decent you, shot. Not only that, but you've seen four movies already, so you may be ahead right. of the game. Right. So I feel like I should be able to follow the plot and we're going to blow up some Death Stars and maybe just one. And um, I th- oh, and there's the scene where and he got a lot of practice in the previous one, but there's a scene where Darth Vader is mad at somebody and he's going to choke him without touching him. Yeah. So no. that, I'm not, I think that's going to happen. I'm not too. touching you. Does this bother you? I'm not touching yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, so and you, I, I think is this one where the stormtrooper bashes his head into the wall? That's yeah. Which I'm guessing you only know because I did it in a presentation. No, I oh, you knew it beyond that. Big, I'm a big fan of movie mistakes. Ah, um, okay. A thing that annoys everybody who knows me and watches movies with me. Not you. I've never done this to you. I don't think. But like, I don't even try. And it happens with TV shows too. Like, I I notice many of them. And as a young person, <laughs> I really got hugely into it. And so I bought books about movie mistakes. I was a big fan of that moviemistakes.com website, which still exists. Uh, it hasn't been updated since like the 1980s. I mean, <laughs> movies have been added, but the design is the same. Anyway, uh, but I've seen the actual video and like slow mo of that guy bashing his head in. i feel bad for that guy it's pretty funny though it is i enjoy it all right so i think we are pretty much ready to get going here we'll be back shortly to discuss mm. star wars episode four may the force be with us all listen don't miss out on the opportunity to watch this movie with us it's possible to do all you have to do is become a member of the incomparable right that's easy to do you can go to the incomparable.com slash members and sign up we got a, a variety of of plans that you might enjoy to support all the great shows on The Incomparable, and you get to watch along with us, as Lex said. And if you already are a member, or as you're becoming a member, you get to choose which hosts deserve your your sweet, sweet cash, and we suggest you choose us. Or at least me. Mm -hmm. Him. Yeah. Thanks, and uh, enjoy the show. Well, Lex... Yes, sir. That was Star Wars from 1977. You've seen it for real. I have officially seen it. Dan, I have some interesting news for you. Okay. It's my favorite one so far. Really? It is. That's delightful. I'm so happy to hear that. I, Why? Uh, Why is it your favorite? I See, I noted while we were doing and, and people who've listened to the commentary might note this, I feel like we were quieter. I felt the same way. And I didn't want to say things because I like I, I dialed it back a little bit on my part because I didn't want to ruin anything for you, like by distracting so, you or anything. Right. But yeah, I want no. to hear what you liked about it. Well, I, I felt like the force was strong with this one. Um, <laughs> no, I, I it was so I have I have a small list of questions that I took some notes on, but for the most part, I felt like I really understood what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um I I will now, although I can never not have seen the films in this order, I will now defend your choice because I did, like I said, uh, as we were watching, I felt a sense of confidence mm-hmm, <laughs> because, mm-hmm. you know, the, from the very beginning, they're throwing a lot at you. Like, the, what's, what is impressive about what George Lucas did with this one is, and I guess the whole team that worked with him, it really has a very, it feels from the very beginning like a Star Wars movie, which is maybe a dumb thing to say, <laughs> but... You're very quickly thrust into a whole lot of key characters throughout the entire series and key musical themes. And like, it's just, you're just deep in it right away. So I felt like having the background that I did and going into it not blind was helpful. It took away some of that angst that I was just describing uh, yesterday when we watched Rogue One, (laughs) where it's like, what is happening as a new movie to you starts? But here I did not have that. Hey, Rick Baker was on the makeup unit. That's interesting. Um, There are a lot of bakers in, in makeup. But the story made sense. I also, I it feels like they're all in the just over two hour range. This one, for the most part, felt shorter to me. It, it moves like, along pretty good. That's right. And yeah, it's I not mean, bouncing back and forth quite. But there was one or two moments where they would bounce back and forth over and over again between a couple of scenes. But for the, in general, it was like showing you a, a 
like letting each scene have its time and i don't know it felt like the story moved along at a brisk pace and and the plot is much when you sort of dissect it down right like the plot is simple right there's a the princess has the plan like gives it to the droid the princess is captured luke and han and obi-wan go to rescue the princess right like it's a fairly simple story that could be applied to any number it's like you know it's it's fairly tropish it's fairly like straightforward like distill the plot of any one of the prequels down to like two sentences like i decline it's very it's very difficult to do so it was really near um i guess the final third where most of my questions came up okay one is i don't quite understand what's going on when uh, obi-wan looks over sees luke watching and says okay now i'm ready to be slain (laughs) and i don't know why he makes that choice I secondly don't know why when uh, Lord Vader hits him, he simply mm-hmm. vanishes when previously we've seen like uh, dismemberment yep. or pain yeah. as opposed to disappearance. He seemingly felt like he was going to be uh, somehow immortal and clearly seems to be living in Luke's brain, which I don't quite understand. Uh, so I didn't quite know what was going on there. I don't know if you want to provide well, I'll say a couple that. things based on what we have seen. So a okay. couple a couple things are going on here. One, we did yes. learn towards the end of episode three, and I commented on it at the time that it seems dumb because it is kind of thrown away. Is that there's like a throwaway line about like Yoda's like, oh, we totally heard from Qui Gon, he's fine. Like even though right. he's dead, yes. he's fine. Um, you also notice uh, right before when 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 Obi Wan starts fighting Vader here, he has the line, "If you strike me down, I will become more powerful than you yes. can possibly imagine." It's unclear exactly what that means. I'm not going to say too much about that because there is stuff yet to come. Okay. That relates to it. I think the Qui-Gon the thing is yet to come. Yeah. <laughs> I think the Qui-Gon thing is it's it's lazy and sloppy to me because again, it's one of those things that's tossed off in episode 3 to make you to like seem like it's setting up something and right. it's never really explained. So it's one of those, you know, moments where they tried to sort of retcon something and I don't think it was very successful. Uh, so there's not, I mean, you should be a little bit surprised, but again, this is one of those situations where you have a different viewpoint because you have seen the prequels as opposed to somebody right. coming into this fresh would just be like, oh, that's weird. Why did that happen? But like, right. they don't have any basis for comparison. You know, again, coming in the direction of the film watching that I've done, <laughs> I would have loved to see some acknowledgement. It's it's totally acceptable as is that Obi-Wan is recognizing yeah. uh, Anakin even though he's not seen him in this... Like, just from force detection and all the ways that they always <laughs> well, know it, when each other are around. It seems clear that they do know... Yes. Like, he knows it's... You know, he, he mentioned... Obi-Wan is there and, yeah. Right, and, and Obi-Wan knows who Vader is even though we are not told as the audience, but they seem like they know each other, right? Like, there's familiarity yes. between them. But, yeah, it is difficult coming at it. And I think what you get here are there are some artifacts of clearly the whole series was... Like, this movie mostly stands alone pretty well, right? Like, yes. if you took this out of context of all the movies, and, and I think that was the plan, right? Like, they didn't know they were... You have no gonna, idea if you're going to get a sequel. Exactly. Sure. And so... I think there were sort of like a few like dead ends narratively that he wrote into this that then later on don't entirely make sense. Like calling him Darth, as we alluded to, like there's nothing in any of the later ones that suggests that that is in any way appropriate or makes sense. But it's, it's because I think there's probably, you know, there's some different ideas. I think 
a lot of people wonder if the Luke Leia thing was also one of those where it was supposed to be more of a love triangle and then like the sister thing was decided later and that's I mean, it why it's clear to me that it has to be because otherwise it's so weird right agreed yeah so i also i guess he didn't know lucas didn't know that his name was going to end up being anakin because you'd want ben to call him anakin like that would be right cool if he did that right exactly so okay that that is helpful and i will keep watching to see i'll keep watching the stars to see <laughs> more about this kind of obi-wan immortality because i feel i thought perhaps wrongly that obi-wan appeared throughout these mm. original three mm. so i don't know how that's gonna work because okay. um, i don't believe there's any time shifting i believe i believe the next one takes place after this one i was unclear on what happened with han solo and chewbacca near the end they're loading in their money or their loot or whatever and you know luke is trying to shame them and he's like whatever dude and then they were watching and cheering him on but i didn't know from where and if we had seen when he's like oh okay i'm gonna stick around and watch this like i didn't i didn't catch the moment where han solo has a change of heart and decides to watch yeah they, and it's, where he's it's, watching off, from. it's off screen and it's i think he the the implication is that they start to drive away and then they're like no we can't do this and they turn around and come back so they're just hanging out with, with Leia and the rest of them. No, no, the, they're in their ship. They get in the Falcon and they like drive off, fly off. So how do they know? How do they? How can they see what's happening? I don't think they do necessarily. I think at a certain point they decide to come back. Some of it is luck. Like they turn around at the right time and come back. And then like when they get back, they're like, oh, look, there's a fight going on over there. We better check it out. Uh-oh, Luke's in trouble. Oh, so they're watching it from space? Yeah, they're all in, okay. they're in space. They're in space. Sounds they're in the, they're in the okay. Falcon the whole time. Got it. Yeah, it's weird. It seems like they have a very impressive view of what's going on. So uh, Obi-Wan suggests to Luke, you don't have to use uh, the computer. You can just do this via the force. Okay. It's, it seemed like he was still flying the machine, flying the, the ship with his hands, which I thought seemed unnecessary if he was going to use the force anyway. Well, he's not but using the force for everything. He's just using it to guide the torpedoes. For the, for the torpedoes. He's, not, he's sure. not super trained either, right? Like he's right. only had 12 hours right. of training. <laughs> but he's, he does some move that gets um, Darth, as I like to call him, and another Imperial soldier, <laughs> air pilot, to seemingly bump into each other or something like what set off <laughs> vader spinning so in yeah circles? They, i can see that be a little confusing what happens is is han and chewie come in on the falcon shoot one of vader's wingmen the other one collides with him like they just freak out and that's definitely vader did not get that yeah you have to see there's like an angle from the laser shots and it's also it, what's funny is i and i think i ran through this during a presentation i did once about funny things from star wars but if you look at the timing it doesn't entirely make sense like the one guy gets shot and blows up and then it kind of looks like the other guy's just like i'm just gonna ram vader now like that's just <laughs> bad training i so okay i def now i feel bad because that seems like a key thing that i missed because my next question is why are chewie and han getting honored there at the end because it seems like they didn't have nearly as big a role but if they were right there and, right, and right. helped empower luke how did i miss them coming into i, I definitely a, did not see there that is a shooting. scene where he goes yeehaw and like like they you get the falcon coming in with the sun behind it so as i said while we were watching it seems clear that uh harrison ford is having a great time in his role which makes it enjoyable to watch yeah no i was just saying he does he is very good yeah. in this in this particular role especially in this in this movie there were a couple scenes of close-up fighting like almost hand-to-hand fighting that looked really lame to me and that that i can't entirely blame on oh it's you know late 70s or well, yeah late 70s visual effects stunt coordination was certainly not like martial arts right like we're not as much of a thing at least in american filmmaking at that point right. i think and a lot of it seems drawn more from like stage combat yes, it's very stage combat ish which took me out of it for a moment yeah and even some of the 
like the shooting scenes it seems like they're all very close to each other and all missing each other which i know is a trope again of movies where there's lots of shooting happening because you want most of the characters to keep living for a while but the the shooting like you even made the joke when um when uh our two favorite droids are just going through a hallway in the ship right between a bunch of stormtroopers shooting people it seems very odd and all the laser beams miss so that that part i thought was a little goofy but overall i would say i thoroughly enjoyed and understood the vast majority of the story i thought it had some funny moments wasn't Mm -hmm. as funny as rogue one but i thought it was funny and i thought that people played well and it's i mean honestly i will say it feels like i'm trying to think some other examples of this because there definitely are many in the history of pop culture it's one of those things where you're like uh, as I was watching, I'm I'm amazed that this got made, and I'm amazed that people mm-hmm. liked mm-hmm. it because mm-hmm. there's so much happening, and there's a lot of leaps of faith. I feel like taken on the part of the creative team. There's even just like long gaps of no dialogue, long gaps of no yeah. dialogue, where you've got a lot of stuff to take for granted, or that you have to just kind of accept. I would say the cantina scene is one. The the long sequence of the characters who I call the Ding Dings because they don't. I think they this they were called Sand. They're people? Ja- those are Jawa. The Jawas, right, yeah. yes. And where they're like harvesting the robots to resell. There's like long moments where you have to really be like, yep, I'm accepting of this. Uh, the fact that Princess Leia is so good with a gun, which was unexpected. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm impressed that this is the thing that people are like, yes, I like this. I understand it. But the fact that it did so well, I think, is does not feel to me like it was a shoo-in. Yeah, no, I think it was a very risky movie at the time that it was made. It was not uh, a kind of movie that was being made much at the time. Like the the I pointed out to you the Easter egg at one point where outside the cantina is a pod from two thousand one, and like you got to keep in mind, like two thousand one was the kind of science fiction movie that was being made at that time, and that is a very different sort of movie, right? This is much more. I've never seen that one either. <laughs> well, it, that that is much more of a sort of cerebral like science fiction really like asking deep question movies whereas this is like an adventure right you know it's a very different sort of movie um and you know a lot of the modern blockbusters certainly owe their pedigree to this movie because it kind of you know invented the modern blockbuster as far as that goes uh and also just sort of i think a lot of the tone of the movies that you see these days it's like there's a little bit of comedy there's some adventure there's action there's a little bit of drama like that sort of melange of things i think really you know star wars was one of the earliest uh harbingers of that and yeah, so yeah but that. it was risky i think i agree yeah, everything you know seems to suggest it was it was certainly expensive to make they were doing a lot of special effects that hadn't really been done before um and especially a lot of the stuff they um they worked that was in this movie is um motion controlled cameras so like cameras going around things and stuff like that yep. and that was not really a thing that was being done prior to this uh and so that was a really big step forward and yeah a lot of the effects look kind of cheesy to our to our eyes today uh, i think some of them hold up remarkably well and some of the things some of them hold up many of them don't but yeah. a, a couple that do are it's very impressive how well they work right and and i think kudos i'm curious you know just to get your opinion on that but i think a lot of the a lot i think of the aliens and robots work well because they still seem like real they are real they're people in costumes yeah. or they're like physical things and it felt smart because we, we've talked in some of the movies in, in some of the newer movies obviously that um the mouth work and the lip sync is is poor mm-hmm. 
the two most prominent robots do not have moving mouths. Right, correct. Which really helps a lot. <laughs> and even, I guess, Darth Vader to a degree is the same way, right? Like, given that his mouth's not moving. Chewie doesn't have, doesn't speak English, so you can dub everything right. in afterwards. I will say, you know, I had spent time thinking as we were watching, oh, Chewie is Dan's favorite character. Let me learn why. In this film, I wouldn't say that he's, he's certainly, like, likable, but... He seems to lack social graces in a way that makes him hard for me to be super narrative. Like, he's clearly communicating, and I believe Han can understand him when he's talking. Mm -hmm. But so, like, when you're at this ceremony, and it's clearly a a formal event at the end, why is he just going, like, and while they're, like, just shut up for a minute and take your applause? Like, it seemed seemed rude. Well, he does it at at one moment, and everybody, you'll have to notice that everybody in the audience, those all the soldiers do, like, an about a heel turn. So it's almost yeah. like a drill sergeant thing going on there. I yeah. yeah, I mean, he's a little uncouth and rough around the edges. I think, you know, as a kid, I always enjoyed him because he's like this big giant teddy bear. And yes. I he's just so fascinating. And he's like this loyal companion. And, uh, you know, you can't really understand what he's saying. So you have to, like, read the way people react to him. Right. Um, I, I'm curious to see how I feel about him after the other two, yeah. because I feel like I barely got to know him. Like, he's the character who I feel like I know the least about. He's a side character. I mean, I'm not I didn't gonna... even see him get to be a, uh, a teddy bear, because he was like... He, he didn't seem to really interact much with anybody else. Like I wanted him to like high five Luke or fist yeah. bump. Yeah, that's, or, fair. that's fair. I just, I, he seemed like too one note. I will yeah. say, and I, I mentioned this as we were watching that I felt like R2D2 really was able to emote more in this one than he was in the prequels. Yeah. Uh, and I think it was mostly the sound effects. And I, I didn't say it as we were watching, but we talked in the, in rogue one about how the, the rustic feel of the modern stuff mm-hmm. helped lend a sense of place. And I felt like R2 looked really good in this one. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's, I think it was clearly the same. I, I'm guessing it's the same robot or built from the same pieces as whatever has been used in the prequels, but something about it felt like sturdy in this one. In yeah. He's, he's all banged up and everything. And you know, he's clearly yeah. been through a lot and there's a, there's like a used car feeling to him. Um, yeah. I mean, it's the thing I love about the Falcon too, which is my favorite sort of thing in this universe because it's so beat up it's a hunk of junk but it is really like it's a well-performing ship most of the time it's funny that you say that because they had the shot and then luke's like what what a piece of junk and i hadn't noticed that it was no you have to i mean and again there's no way for you to like you have no context at that point right like you don't you're not judging it against anything else in this in this movie right it's the first sort of spaceship that you've seen that isn't like a giant spaceship and so we kind of taking find me yeah we're taking we're taking luke's word for that one now i want to talk about one thing that we discussed during the commentary track that which people can of course get by becoming a (laughs) (laughs) but i want to bring up something that we were discussing because i think it's interesting and i deliberately withheld information from you uh which is i i definitely got the response from you i was looking for when the first appearance of tarkin on the screen and you went like yes. wait a second what and then you started asking me how that was possible so uh, as as i started asking about it i remembered that there had been some news i think mm. when rogue one came out that there was a character who had been recreated via cgi but i had no idea as we were watching rogue one that governor tarkin that's his name mm-hmm. i had no idea that he was that the actor was dead and had been created via CJ. So there's an actor who played, who stood in for him throughout. Yes. There's an actor who stands in through him for uh, rogue one and does the voice, I believe, which is actually a really uncanny impression of him. So, and I remember I commented to you when we were watching rogue one that I found the actor's face really, I'm not familiar with the actor, but I found his face really interesting and like a really tight jaw in Seeing him here again, it was clearly the same guy, but I didn't have quite the same 
whatever. And so I don't know if what I was seeing in part was the, I mean, Uncanny Valley is too far, but like, I think, I don't know if what I was seeing was like, hey, that's not quite humanly. Yeah, it is a little, I think if you go back and watch it now, knowing it's CGI, you will probably think to yourself, okay, yeah, I can see that that's not a real person, but it's pretty good. It is pretty good. And, you know, I, I, it picked up on, I'm very sensitive to those things. So I see it. I I knew it was CGI. Also, I knew the guy was dead. So I was looking for it. Uh, And they, what what impressed me about it in Rogue One was that they spent a lot of time in like, they did like close-ups and stuff. Like they clearly were not just content to, they could have just shot him from behind and like had a reflection of his face. Right. He was a very real character in that. Yeah. They not at all second bit. Yeah. And they really sort of pump it up and are like, you know what? We're just going to put this like right there front and center. And we're going to dare you to, like, complain about it. And, you know, it was more shocking to me going in the first time after I've seen it, you know, once or twice more. It's like I'm ready to accept at least, like, okay, it's just, it's a right. CGI fear. Fine. We'll just roll with it. And and the other thing, they do that with Leia, too. That's not, I mean, that's that's a digital version in Rogue One of Leia at the end there in that last scene. It's not. Oh, Carrie Fisher doesn't even show up? That's not Carrie Fisher. That's that's a stand-in with the CGI applied from like a remodel because she doesn't she doesn't look like that anymore. So right, <laughs> it's, it, she doesn't sound like that anymore either, frankly. So I believe that at that, the time of filming, that's like, leaked. Yeah, I feel yes. like you're not acknowledging. Well, now sorry, I apologize. That's not. It's being sensitive to saying at the time that they filmed the movie, you know, right. she is she much older and you know could not effectively stand in for herself. At she's only like 19 when they filmed this. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea, although you, you hinted at it as we watched Rogue One, I had, I did not know that Rogue One led up to the moments mm. before the start mm-hmm. of uh, uh, episode four. I I had moments of confusion because realizing that we were basically picking up right after Rogue One ended, I wasn't entirely sure, are we still on the ship? And I figured it out, but are we still on the ship where Leia just was? Or is this like, has she left? Is she on some escape? pod somewhere else and we're not there but i i figured out but there was a, a few moments in the very beginning where i wasn't sure where we all were i also uh, i'm guessing that this is mostly a rogue one to episode four problem but it felt to me like leia should have had all the information she needed mm-hmm. that here's r2 into which she has i felt like she was loading the data into r2 right right at the beginning and that right. she should not just be able to tell obi-wan that she needs his help but like here's the exact weak spot and how to go and then like they had a seems like they had to relearn it and I, I'm, I'm willing to accept it and i think that it's only a complaint if you've gone from rogue one to episode four for the first time i think some of that is a retcon problem in that they really i feel like they added the whole like i'm going to tell you about the weakness but you still have to get the plans thing in Rogue One to give as like a plot necessity for Jin yeah. to not be trusted, etc. Whereas in this one, it's just like we've just we have all the data. Someone just needs to look at it and find a weakness, right? And so yeah, I agree with you. There is a little bit of a disconnect there, uh, and I kind of on that fault I mainly say, well, you know, Rogue One was trying to do something, and I think right. they felt like they needed like an extra piece of detail or something, and that. Again, you're right. I think it's only really a problem if you're jumping directly from Rogue One to episode to episode four. But yeah. So uh, the only other questions I have are okay. <laughs> I'm going to give them both to you once. One, why is Obi Wan her only hope? Mm-hmm. Like, what? Why was he integral to this plot? And ha- how did she know that he she needed him? I guess also, how does she know him? I guess because I thought he sort of was well. Hiding if a you bit. remember <laughs> from the scene that I pointed out to you in the when we watched Rogue One, and I was very disappointed that you didn't pick up on that scene. 
we have that conversation about right. Jimmy, Jimmy Smith has a scene where he says, uh, you know, he's talking to one of the other rebellion leaders and saying, I, you know, she asks him, do you think your friend will help us? The friend, the Jedi. And he says like, well, he's been living in hiding, but I will reach out to him. I'll send my most trusted messenger. So the implication being he dispatches Leia to go and okay. find Obi-Wan. I'm with you there. But why? <laughs> but it seems like they have history. But if he's been in hiding, how does she know him? Well, she doesn't. I mean, she her father knows him. She's she is okay. there mainly, you know, for her father has told her, go find Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's a Jedi Knight, former Jedi Knight. He can right. help us in this fight. And why is he the only one who can help them? Um, I think that's more of a dramatic license thing, okay. right? Because, you know, in the sense that they do certainly, you know, having a Jedi on your side, there aren't really any other Jedi around because, as we know from episode three, they were pretty much all murdered. And we, as we get here too, Obi-Wan tells Luke that Vader helped the Emperor hunt down and kill all the Jedi. So having a Jedi on their side certainly seems like an advantage. Like sure. Yeah. So then is it... I want to assume it's not, but is it dumb luck that the escape pod that R2 and C-3PO take at the beginning takes them to the planet? Uh, to no, they're already, they're already there. So basically, at the end of Rogue One, uh, we have the battle on Scarif, right? Like, and they yes. send them the plans. And uh, we have that last scene where all the rebel soldiers are passing on the data disc, and they get it to Princess Leia. Princess Leia's ship like, goes to basically jumps to hyperspace. And she is going to get Obi-Wan, who she knows is on Tatooine. So in the beginning of this movie, they're above, they're in orbit on Tatooine. And so the escape pod shoots out and that's, they're above Tatooine. So it lands on Tatooine. And there you have it. Okay. That makes sense then. I was, um, we talked about during the movie, C-3PO is annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's never been one of my favorites. (laughs) It always seems to me like an interesting choice just in any entertainment to say, like, make a character that's going to annoy people to watch. And like... (laughs) George R. makes another fine example Mm -hmm. but uh, I mean there is some comedy to a robot with the neuroses that 3PO has but I also just found myself being like shut up every time he spoke so i just wanted to share that with you and our listeners like i yeah. find him annoying yeah that's fair i mean they're supposed to be kind of like a laurel and hardy yeah pair. I see it. and he's got i mean he's clearly got a heart right like at the end he's like oh r2 you gotta come back in one piece and then when r2's all blown up he's like oh i'll donate i'll donate all i'll my donate wires. my my, yeah. my wires uh so like you know he clearly he clearly loves his companion there but it's you know he's a he's an ornery prickly exterior He's he's basically an abusive husband. Let's call. Him <laughs> wow, uh, that's taking it a little far. He's mentally he's constantly denigrating. That's, I'm just that's saying. a fair point. All right, all right, okay, okay, okay. Man, I'm never so gonna look at off. that the same way. <laughs> yeah, I'm so, so sorry, everyone. But I I genuinely Let's shut it down. It. It Let's my, go home. Let's not watch the was, next few movies. It was my favorite one. So Good. now I have to assume that the next one is dark because the Empire Strikes Back mm. and. The third one is the Return of the Jedi, so it means that I don't know. I'm expecting a lot of death and destruction in the next one, and uh, an unhappy ending. That's my prediction. Because I feel like when they okay. did two, they knew they were going to do three. Okay, all right, that's or good. Five, six. Prediction. You want to do the numbers? Uh, the numbers on this whole series are very confusing. <laughs> I just want to put that out there. Uh, yeah, that's true. That is true. 
Yeah. Okay. But I liked it, and I was so I was you know uh, sometimes when you think about movie reviewers or when you are evaluating for yourself, like you don't need until the end of a thing to know if you like it. At some point, you're like, hey, I am enjoying this, or I'm not enjoying this. And as we were going through, it, I was like, hey, I am enjoying the experience of watching this. I was so excited, I couldn't wait till the end to tell you that I was liking it. So I felt, I was happy. <laughs> God, I hope this movie will finally end so I can tell him how much he like it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I, and it did like right near the end. I was like. I was starting. I was thinking. I had said before we started, they're going to blow up the Death Star, but there was only twenty something minutes left, and they still hadn't done it. Like they really, the ending in this one seems to happen right at the end. Oh yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's um, it is a high pressure situation there, and also you mentioned at the beginning. I think I don't remember if it was in the commentary. We we're just talking to ahead of time the uh, the music, and I think yes. the music is such a huge part of this, and it's it's true for all the Star Wars movies, but I think particularly in the original trilogy, the music is such a you mentioned all the scenes that are lengthy and have no dialogue, but they do have music. And I think yep. that's that's huge. It, it really does flesh out this world in a way when you have not just the music that is the score, right? But you have music that is generated like in the cantina scene, right? Like there's a yep. band. Uh, and so having that kind of accompaniment and making it, it's almost a silent movie with a musical accompaniment uh, at, par- sense, at points. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think that's huge. I mean, I will say I do know that, like, despite this movie being, I don't know the exact stats for this one, but I know that from some of the other ones, for example, like, there's probably, you know, only an hour of dialogue or something in a, like, two-plus-hour movie. And that's fascinating. Like, again, I feel like that was not something that was done as much prior to this. And I don't think it's done as much now. If you look at Rogue One, for example... Rogue One's score is much more compact and much more used to back stuff that's going on rather than right, having lengthy scenes. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, there was a moment, and I, I might get the ex- specifics wrong, but hopefully the concept will come through. Where I think it was like the main Star Wars theme, mm-hmm. where it was played in a, a minor. Mm. <laughs> to I don't remember during what scene it was, but it was like a a tune that now Star Wars fans and melody that Star Wars fans know very and even non Star Wars fans know very well. But it was played, you know, it's played to be off kilter and wrong. And mm. it was like super disturbing to me. Like it really, I got exactly what they wanted me to get out of it, I think, because it felt so off from what the typical melody was. And mm. I found that very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The music is itself almost a character in these movies. And I think it's. He's a music man. It's, it's incredibly well done. Uh, and I, I think it it stays just phenomenal throughout the original trilogy. So uh, I'm excited I'm excited to continue this journey with you. I'm a little concerned that the next one's going to be like a super downer. So okay. that's just right. putting that out there. Okay. Oh, hey, you know what? Yoda's not in this movie. Oh, yeah, he's not <laughs> in this movie. That's weird. Interesting. 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 Okay. Well, he's clearly got to be in the next one because he can't only be in one movie of the original trilogy. That <laughs> sense. So he's got to be in, I'm, I'm guessing he is in both episodes five and six. Okay. All right. We will see if that is correct. I'm sure it is. Uh, all right. Well, I, I'm looking forward to watching Empire Strikes Back with you. I'm glad that you enjoyed Star Wars. Me too. I, I, feel, I feel like even if I hate the rest, it's okay. Yeah. I, mean, I, like the original, so that's good. I do feel like a big weight, off. A weight has been lifted from our shoulders. <laughs> well, thanks, Dan. And listeners, go ahead and find the next episode so you can watch me watch the next one, The Empire Strikes Back. That's right. We'll be, uh, we'll be back with that soon. Thanks for tuning in and uh, keep watching, watching the stars. The stars. <laughs> That's how we're ending every show now.
I'm not sure the Empire has an HR department. Why would that guy talk back to Lord Vader? Does he not realize how powerful the guy is? Also, it's, it's the same governor guy, right? Yep. Him? How did they make him look so old or this that look the same in the prequels? I didn't tell you because I was wondering to see if you would figure it out. 